Golf. I am Gavin Goodwin. And I'm Chris Telesbo. I'm your amateur. And I'm your professional. Whew. And now you're the professional introer. Oh my gosh. I was almost said the wrong thing probably six <laughs> times. <laughs> We're for real back. Yeah, for really reals. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for, you know, playing disc golf. And even if you don't play, does anyone listen to the show that doesn't play disc golf? If you do, please write in. I bet there are know. some movie people. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Somebody's like, hey, this guy likes to talk about movies. Could happen. I, I would love that. Uh, I don't know why. I just would be fascinated by that. If there's somebody that... Write in and let us know how you found the show. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about that. We were talking about it. We've got a pretty sizable audience, honestly. Uh, we are just kind of going through our numbers and things keep growing. So... Uh, how did you guys find us? That's I'm infinitely curious. Probably not searching movies. That. Probably not because I don't think there's anything. Uh, I don't know. I think but, we've yeah. had like some Hobbs and Shaw title episodes or something. No yeah. Black Superman or yeah. I don't know, but we do talk movies a lot. I'm curious though if anybody doesn't play disc golf. Yeah. Immediately after this, Chris and I are going to the movies. That's true. Gonna go see Joker. The new one. He might be crazy enough to be a Joker. I don't know. Joaquin. Yeah, the trailers look amazing. Yeah. We'll so, see. Yeah. You'll hear about that next week. <laughs> you will. Next time Next time we release, yes, I'm sure we will talk about that. And I'll Bodie scale it up. Uh, I'm going to – we got an email or Perf. another Facebook message from Ryan McKeon, who has been very proactive in his communication with us. So thank you for that. Uh, but uh, this is – I think a, a good question. Uh, it says, one final question. Okay. At one. what point does a hobby slash passion become obsessive? How do you balance doing what you love, disc golf, enough to feel satisfied and not neglecting your family or friends? I feel like I love disc golf almost too much. Obsessive? Question mark. I feel attacked. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of a good question. Um, when I started, I can clearly say I was obsessed. I would play four or five rounds a day for a whole summer. Like, just obsessed. I couldn't stop. So I think that qualifies as obsessive. Um, I think, I okay, hmm, hmm. I, I've been through a lot of hobbies, and I tell myself I obsess over them. Like, I get super into them. I buy everything I need. I go super hard until I'm competent, and then I back off. But I don't know, none of them have ever gotten in the way of, like, work life or family life or anything else. So maybe I haven't actually obsessed with them. I don't know. Where do you draw a line? Well, obsession is a uh, relative term probably. So you and I have very different obligations in life. I have three kids and a wife and I enjoy them very much. Yeah. Chris is single and um, you're working part time. I work for myself. So Mm -hmm. we both have pretty flexible work schedules. Mm -hmm. Um, But they say that addiction, you define addiction not by the amount that you take of whatever it is that your addiction but might the be. Need? No, not even the need. Okay. It's what do you do in the face of consequence? So are you, so alcohol, for example, are you driving drunk? Oh. Because, you know, there's consequences for that. Like, are, are you... Um, are you missing other obligations because you're choosing to drink instead? Okay. Um, 
you can drink a ton and still be functional and it's not good for you, but you might not be an alcoholic. You might not have an addiction in, in the negative sense of the word. Um, uh, if you can get everything else done, if you can, if you, if you can be sober when you need to be sober or where you should be sober and you can go to work, you can keep your job, you can, you know, fulfill your family obligations and things. And so I think what you said is really important. If you're not missing stuff that you shouldn't be missing because you want to go play disc golf or you want to watch Joe Mez coverage on YouTube or whatever that is, um, you're probably okay. And so I, for Ryan, I would say to you, like, what are your obligations? You know, and that's, that matters a lot. Like, again, for me, um, I have cut a lot of rounds. I, I can't even count how many rounds I cut short because I got to go pick up my kids, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's okay. That's just, that's life. That's, that's the way it works out. And there's times when, you know, I don't have to do that and I can stay out and play and, you know, can play. I don't know that I played a whole 36 in a day, but I played, you know, round and a half and mm-hmm. had, had a great time. Uh, and there's times when I get to go out and throw four holes, three holes, and I've got to go because it took me longer to get to the course than it should have. And it's taken, and then I've got to go home. Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. Uh, excuse me. I, I keep discs in my car that if I, you know, have some time and there's a field, I can go throw in the field. I haven't done that in a little while. Well, it's cold now. Yeah. It's prop. Maybe that's it. It was hot before. Mm-hmm. The tricky part with like when it's summertime is the fields are full of people running around and then it's been kind of raining mm-hmm. and cold, but, uh, I don't mind the cold. It just hurts to throw. Yeah. When it gets colder than this, it's nice right now. Yeah, like actually 60s. right now it's my favorite weather in Utah. Yeah. Fall in, in Utah is amazing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I think I think the mention of play four holes or go throw some in a field, um, if you feel like you're not getting enough disc golf, that's probably the way to go because it's not always, you know, around a life schedule, it's not always easy to allocate two hours or more if you're playing longer courses or with more people to disc golf. And then yeah. I could see that kind of getting in the way of things but you can always go spend 10 or 15 minutes throwing 20 shots in a field yeah or playing three hole loop and then you know going back to work or whatever you're doing yeah so you can always get more disc golf in without sacrificing tons of time yeah and i i would just you you know you call it a hobby or passion Mm -hmm. but it's your hobby and we can be passionate about a lot of things but um hobbies we can also be passionate about but there's a difference between a hobby and a profession and if you are a touring professional disc golfer, then you're, you, sh- you should be playing a lot of disc golf. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's your job. Day. You should be going and playing and working on your game. Yeah. Like Chris said, almost every day, like whatever makes the most sense for your training regimen, but you are a professional athlete. This mm-hmm. is your sport. This is what you do. Um, for the vast majority of us, at least on the am side, uh, it's a hobby. No hobby, my opinion, but I really do believe this and I'll stand by it. Uh, no hobby should get, should take priority over relationships and obligations. And so you have an obligation to work or to do whatever that is, whatever your obligations are, the things that you're committed to doing and that you've told people that you're going to do, you need to do those things. Your relationships are your family or your friends or 
your significant other, whoever those key relationships are in your life, those need to take priority before any hobbies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, people should support your hobbies, but if your significant other is ever mentioning like, hey, I think you're playing more disc golf, like too much disc golf, you're, you're too into it, take a break. You're going to be okay. The sport will still be there. Uh, sometimes courses get removed, but not very often. And baskets are super weather resistant. So they will be there even if you take a week, two weeks off. Um, and your game might improve if you take a little bit of time off too. So if you feel and like then, you're a little obsessive about it if because you're asking, maybe take a break. Yeah. Uh, the I, th- I think you kind of hit it. The difference between hobby and passion or obsession is if, I mean, if you are obsessed and passionate and you want to try and make a living out of it, talk to those you have obligations with and see if it's possible. Yeah. Uh, if not, and it's just, you know, a super strong, you know, interest or passion, even in, it is a hobby, right? It's still a hobby for me. I'm never going to make it a career. Well, you are technically a professional mm-hmm. disc golfer, but and yeah, it's a it's, hobby, it, but it, do, it couldn't support you. Correct. Well, I mean, put in the work maybe, but yeah. at this moment, no. Well, and, and yes, if you, if you just, said this is devoted. all I'm going to do yep. and I'm going to commit to being on the door and going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could make that work. Mm-hmm. Um and you would you could probably support yourself on the tour and maybe get to the point where you could support a family if you wanted a family or support somebody else. Yeah, it'd be it'd be close. Yeah. Uh but if you are like me, <laughs> I don't know that I could ever get there. I mean, if I even if I played every day, I don't know that I I, you know, I could, I guess, don't never say never, but it's not what I want to do. And that's okay. I enjoy it being a hobby. I'm really happy that it's a hobby. I don't want it to be work. Um, and so that's, that's another really good point is it's fun. I love this game. I've loved it since I threw the first time, like, Oh God, eight or nine years ago. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but even I mean, I've nine years I've played thousands of rounds. Like I've binged it. If I play too much or take it too seriously for too long, it does start to feel like work. And that is, I think, a huge detriment to me personally in a hobby. Right? I have to remember that it's I play for fun. Anybody who knows me or knows how I play disc golf now, I fully embrace that. Like I'm not gonna try to out strategize somebody better than me. Yeah. I'm gonna have fun. Because that's why I play. Well and that's Another reason why you're not touring. Yep. Like, because that's not the mentality that you need to be a, a, a successful touring pro. Yes. Unless you are just Simon. absolutely touched by God. Even him. No, I mean, he's, he he works on his game. He like, does, but he plays for fun. Uh, well, absolutely. But he takes it seriously. You can tell when he's playing that yeah. he, he takes it seriously and he's trying to do his best. Mm-hmm. I've played enough with Chris to know that he's not trying to necessarily do his best. He thinks, oh, I wonder if I can throw it over that tree. That's <laughs> the first thing I look for. Yeah. So, but I mean, you can, there's a, there's a huge stylistic difference between somebody like Simon and somebody like Rick or Paul. Oh, absolutely. Right. But, but the point is like, they're, they're still all professionals. Like this is what they do. This is how, this is their livelihood. Yeah. But I, again, I think a little difference there is Simon doesn't need disc golf income to live. Oh, does he not? No, I don't know what or how, but he does it for fun and the money's a bonus. So he's independently, he, he's, he's, he's comfortable. I don't know how trust or, fund or something. Yeah. There's money there. Oh, okay. 
and I did it, not know that. And I mean, he's that good just having fun. Like, talented child, that one. Yeah. Like, if you haven't watched the most recent Jomez Skins match, go watch it. They talk Simon into fun things, and Simon does cool things. And Paul does cool things. They all do cool things. Yeah. But I just, I picture myself as like a 60% Simon. Like, always looking for something dumb to do, something entertaining to do. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, you kind of giggle about it and try again. Yeah. And it's Whoops. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, yeah. So, figure out. But again, that goes to the obligation thing. Yeah. If Simon's obligations are met otherwise, then mm-hmm. he can he can goof around a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. So, figure out what you owe everything in your life and see how much disc golf can fill it in, I guess. Yeah. But if you feel like you're maybe getting obsessive with it, and this is not just for you, but for anybody who's listening, if you feel like it's maybe getting obsessive, uh, take be. a break. You can still listen to podcasts about it. You can still, you know, watch some watch some coverage. You can still like putt in your backyard if you mm-hmm. want to, but you know, back off it for a little bit and see uh, if you're starting to like get the shakes and get the DTs because you haven't played disc golf. Probably there's a problem there. <laughs> uh, but I'm fine. I mean, it's a it's a great thing. It's a fun sport. It's active. It's good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but don't let anything get in the way of your your relationships or your obligations. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Yeah. So, well, that was 35 minutes of, I don't know, actually, no, not that long. 17? <laughs> About 10. Probably oh, yeah. 10 or 12. Cool. Um, it's October, Chris. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I think we need to talk. Halloween costumes. Ooh. My three-year-old is very much asking. He's very into earnestly asking people what they're going to be for Halloween right now. Uh, he asks us regularly at dinner, even though he he's asked all of us and he knows. But Does he remember? Uh, I think so. Okay. But he, he'll get up the right in your face. The joy. And he'll go, what are you going to be for Halloween? Aww. And then you tell him, and he just gives you a thumbs up. It's the cutest thing in the world. He's adorable. That's super He's cute. Robin for Halloween, by the way. And it's okay. It's the cutest little costume. Okay. Um, I haven't dressed up in five years plus, uh, so if I see him, I will have to make something up. Yeah. Yeah, you will. But disc golf-themed costumes. Oh, gosh. Uh, the inflatable dinosaur. Just say you're Ricky. Okay. Like that inflatable T-Rex costume? Mm-hmm. That would work. For his raptor legs jokes? That would work. Uh, what else? I feel like you could rig up like a basket a la... Karate Kid, Daniel LaRusso's shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh. What else is there in disc golf? <laughs> oh, there's all sorts of stuff. It could um, be a tree with just, frisbees stuck in it. You could. Or you could be a tree and just go bonk into people <laughs> all night. Uh, so you're, you're a tree? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a disc golf tree. Yeah. I hit things. I'm going to reach out and grab you. Oh, God. <laughs> not not in a creepy way. Yeah, but a desperate straw-grabbing disc golf reference at way. <laughs> uh, you could go as a hyzer. Just kind of walk crooked. Like, <laughs> and I pictured, like, wearing the St. Louis arch. Oh, hey, that's good. That's it. Uh, resembles. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it could be a couple's costume, Heiser and Anheuser. There you go. Just kind of lean away from each other. <laughs> that, no. I mean, yes, but no. Even disc golfers would give you the look of really. 
I think it'd be more fun to try and dress up as like touring players. Just based on style and see if people get it. Uh, you definitely would have to be pretty deep in the disc golf community, but you could pull off like an eagle costume, just wear your hat way up and yeah, big sunglasses. Yeah, bleach your hair, lose a ton of weight. Whoever yeah, you are, right. lose a ton of weight. <laughs> uh, Rick is also hat up. Yeah, that's true. Paul and Simon wear like Hugo Boss and look really nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Paul's a. He, he's pretty well dressed. Those yeah. guys are pretty well dressed. He and Simon both. Uh, Drew had best dressed for a long time. Did he? Pretty boy Drew. Yeah, he always looked good. You could be Philo. Just get some dreads. <laughs> just get some dreads. I don't even have the hair for dreads anymore. You could wear cargo shorts and a t-shirt and be uh, Ken. Yep. Yep. Oh, Kenny. So, and then they just, you know, have a box of, like a whole carton of cigarettes. Yeah, chain smoke. Or anything bizarro, like leggings, tight pants, sweaters, Nico. Oh. He, he's also high up in the best dress because he's very eclectic and he will wear anything. There you go. Uh, yeah. You, you could go as a Zuka cart. I don't know how, but you oh, could. Oh, please. I saw a video today actually of some kids' Halloween costumes. Their parents built them little Transformer outfits. Oh, wow. And they're standing up and they look like the Autobots. And then they like give them five, ten seconds and they like kind of lay down and crawl down and they look like the vehicles. That's so cool. Right? That is cool. Like what parenting? Yeah. That's not my parenting costume. It's incredible. Costume my parenting costume style is I got this at Walmart. Yep. Put it on. <laughs> Order. Iron Man. Yeah. Robin. Hermione Granger. That's yeah. my kids this year. <laughs> oh, I I couldn't make that. But it was super cool. Yeah. These kids are probably like four. That like, is oh, and they that just is like fun. lay down and the wheels fall down. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, it was super neat. That's really fun. Uh, to brag about myself as a good dad, though. Um, <laughs> Don't make Autobots, but. My daughter, uh, this is probably five, six years ago. She was, I think, two, maybe three. Um, want For Easter, uh, all she wanted for Easter, and we, we don't do big Easter presents. It's like, you know, little things in a little basket, like maybe a little stuffed bunny and some candy. Uh, but all she wanted was a Star Wars snow globe. Okay. And I thought like, oh, okay. You know, I've got to find be able to find something like that on Amazon. Nope. Really? No. no. Maybe there is now, but this was, yeah, this was before any of the, like the, the, the new series. So okay. Star Wars has always been big, mm-hmm. but maybe now they have them. And I'm sure you can probably find something at Galaxy's Edge. But <laughs> I scoured the internet. Like Star Wars snow. I even looked at like Etsy and places like wow. that. I could not find a Star Wars snow globe. I don't think I could find one at all. And maybe I could. And they were like eighty dollars or something. I was like, no. Yeah, like official branded. Yeah. So what I did is uh, Saturday night, I we put her down, and she's very excited for the Easter Bunny to bring her Star. And we kept trying to like steer her towards, I just help her forget the Star Wars snow globe. And we thought we had her for a little while. And then the night before Easter, so excited for my Star Wars snow glove. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so. There are a few now. Are there? Yeah, if she's still. How much are they? From $10 to $100. Oh, my gosh. That would have been so good. <laughs> Lifesaver. So what I had to do <laughs> is, um, like, first I went to, like, Walmart and Target and every store that was open. Mm-hmm. And I uh, couldn't find anything, obviously. And I was like, crap, Google. How to make a snow globe. Oh, man. So 
I had to go to the craft store and buy, um, I don't know, I'll know what I got there. Uh, I had, I had, basically I had to go to like four or five different stores um, because I had to find Star Wars action figures. I had to find jars that were the right, like, that were clear enough that didn't have enough texture on them that you couldn't see them. That was another hard thing is like finding the right size jar that didn't have a mason jar without mason on it. Well, even if it did, that it had a clear side, yeah. you know, because I think these ones did, but they had a, I found one finally with a clear side. Or I was finding like green ones or yellow ones or, <laughs> and I couldn't find anything all at the same store. I had to find glycerin, which I'd never what bought before. Day. Do you do you even know what glycerin is? Only the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Stone Temple it's a Pilot song. song. Exactly. Yeah. No, apparently it like thickens water huh? so that the um, glitter will will fall more slowly. So it changes from glycerin to nitroglycerin? Just that it's flammable? Because uh, I, 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 it's a nitroglycerin. person to ask. You'd have to ask Ted Noble about that one. <laughs> I'll reach out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're the, you're the one with a degree in science. Not that science. <laughs> I have a bachelor's of arts, my friend. <laughs> um, right. uh, yeah, so I had to get um, the jars at one store. I had to get the action figures at another store, which were hard to find. And $10 would have been sweet. I <laughs> just buy a snow globe. Um, I had to go find uh, Powerade bottles because they had the black lids that were the right size that you could glue on to make a little base okay. for the guy to stand. I had to find the right kind of glue. I had to get the right kind of glitter. I had to get the glycerin. Um, Jeez. And I think I had to go back to the craft store like two or three times uh, to find all this stuff. And I had to get the right kind of glue for the feet, and then I had to get the right kind of glue for the the um, threads on the jar. What a day. I had to get distilled water, which is easy enough to find, but, you know, I had to go buy Another it. Stop. None of this stuff was, was anything that we had at home. Oh. None of it. Uh, and then... I had to stay up. Uh, I think I, I don't know when I got to bed, but it was it was well into the morning by the time mm-hmm. I finally got to bed. And when my kids woke up, because her little brother, of course, wanted one too, there was a C-3PO and an R2-D2 snow globe. Two different wow. snow globes waiting for them. Uh, we still have them. The C-3PO one has come unglued from his base, so it kind of floats in okay. the jar a little bit, but that's okay. That's pretty C-3PO. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's intense. Yeah. That's probably too good of a dad moment. Like, I should have just said, you know what? I know, but they don't have those. They ran out. Yeah. I'm sorry. But it's pretty cool. That's impressive. Uh, another good dad moment, not to just brag about me and my parenting skills. <laughs> but that's what we're new. Um, went to Spaghetti Factory with the kids. Mm-hmm. They were, this was probably four years ago. So they were little. Daughter was maybe five. Um, uh, they had a balloon person like making balloon animals at the tables and you give her a buck and she get mix a little balloon animal for your kid. Uh, and it was great. So my daughter got a little dog and my son probably did too. And uh, we're driving home and the dog pops like immediately. And my daughter is just beside herself, like just so in tears because she loved this dog so much. And just Best go, friend for life. It's okay. It's okay, sweetie. We can get you another one. No, because the balloon lady's in. We were on vacation, too. So it's not like it was something that seemed like, yeah. you know, not possible for her. We were staying with some family. Uh, so we go and put her down to bed. And then I go to Walmart. 
after she's in bed, I find a balloon animal kit with the pump and all the balloons. And I go home and I YouTube how to make balloon animal dogs. Oh. And my daughter woke up and there were there was a room full of my dog rejects, like the ones that oh, I've been practicing on. And then I finally got pretty good at them. And so there was probably 20 or more, 30, Almost 50, dogs. I don't know. Close enough yeah. to dogs in the room. And she just woke up and was just elated. Oh. Uh, and that was great. The problem is, is I still have to occasionally make balloon animals for the kids, but which is can. fine. I can. That's I impressive. can make a dog. I can make a tiger. I can make a sword. That's impressive. And, of course, I can make a snake because that's just, you know, blowing up a balloon. balloon. I can do that one. Yeah. Uh, Maybe there's something else. Tiger, dog, snake. I think maybe that's it. I don't know. Pretty good resume, though. Yeah. Pretty good resume. You learn all sorts of things when you try to keep your kids from crying. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, um, anything else to talk about? I kind of want to talk about USDGC. Yes. Not to go back to disc golf. Great parenting, though. Well, you talk for a while. I've been talking for a I long s- I time. just don't do any good parenting things. I just tell teenage girls that they're trying to play volleyball the wrong way. Can you please clarify that, that you are their coach? Yes. That you're I'm not a volleyball just... coach. I get paid to tell children they're not very good at <laughs> you're things. You're not just hanging around where teenage girls are and telling them to don't play volleyball well. <laughs> you're just outside okay, of... Okay, I you're see just outside there. of... <laughs> just randomly stalking yeah. gyms. You suck. You just go down to the mall like... You're not good at volleyball. just want you to know that. <laughs> just tapping girls on the shoulder. Oh, good contextual clarification there, yes. <laughs> that would be so... Ooh. Paints a bad picture. I wanna... Anyway. Yeah, I, I coach volleyball. That's, <sighs> that's one of my jobs. Um, but USDGC, uh, if you... I mean, you're listening to this, you probably watch disc golf. Or play disc golf, you probably know USDGC. As you hear this happened last weekend, it's we're in the middle of it right now. We're between rounds two and three as we record, um, and some crazy things have happened. So, the, I mean, the the only thing that's being talked about is Paul Macbeth, and for the first time maybe ever, he shot over par on a round. He got uh, some big numbers, and it kind of like. The most uncharacteristic thing anybody's seen from him ever. Yeah, he's ranked what now? One. Oh, 1059. No, sorry, uh, in this tournament. Oh, uh, after two rounds, I think he's in like 64th. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I don't... After two rounds, he's in 60th. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's ever known that there were that many players in a tournament. You know, I don't, I don't know that he does. Right In the last... This year especially, which is why it's kind of weird... He's been so dominant and so consistent and so good that, I mean, he shot like a 988 round. That'll drop from his rating because he's way above that, but that's yeah. like me golf. No, like for me, I would be ecstatic. Like yeah. that would just be lights out, like best game I've ever played. But for him. That's really bad. Yeah. like And it's filmed and I've watched it and. Parts are hard to watch. Nate and Germ don't even have words. Like, it's just so weird that it's now. Like, this is the most dominant year he's had, anyone's had. Well, yeah, he just won world championships. And it's just not good. So, I want to hear thoughts on the course. I know it's not the course's fault because people are still playing well. And Paul just, you know, 
bad day, bad yeah. weekend, maybe, hopefully not. Um, but they changed some things. There's a lot of a lot of holes where a couple inches can cost you several strokes. Um, a lot of ropes, a lot of tough drop zones, a lot of you know potential to go lose distance and rethrow. A lot of potential for big numbers. So how much have they changed this course from just standard layout? Uh, from the layout they've played the last few years. Well, not even that. Just like go and show up and play. Oh, I don't know. I think it's the same. They just put ropes up. So more out of bounds. Okay. I don't think those are always there. Um, but between years prior and this year, they took out two holes, added two new ones, which I haven't played, obviously, but I don't like how they look. Uh, there's one hole, it's like 700 feet, maybe 650. It's a long hole. It's pretty long. Tee shot's wide open, works a little bit left to right. And then like 40 feet from the basket, there's a double mando that's like 15 feet across. So a tiny little gap you have to hit super late as you get close to the green. That's a weird place for a double mando. Yeah, I agree. And one of the basket positions is like literally three feet from a bunker that plays as hazard. Yep. I don't know that I've ever seen a Mando that isn't that doesn't incorporate your tee shot. There, I, mean, that, I haven't played a ton of courses, yeah. but there are a couple at Winthrop, and some of them I get. Like uh, I think it's hole five now. It's like a thousand foot par five, and that's another change. They moved this tee pad back to where it used to be to make the tee shot a little bit scarier. I think, um, but it's probably like six or seven hundred feet down the side of a lake. Kind of generous fairway, kind of not slopes towards the water. And then at the end, there's like a peninsula that juts out, and there's a tree in the corner, and you have to go the water side of that tree. So you can't play safe around the back anymore. You eventually have to go over the pond. So Can that, you just kind of chip it up onto the peninsula at some point, or do you really um, have to I mean, eventually, throw it out eventually, there? I mean, eventually, like most of, the, most of the touring players are probably going like 350 or 400 off the tee, maybe like 300, and then like 350 over the water. Something like that. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's not like a... I, I guess I can understand that, but I, like a double mando, it's just it's after the fairway. We, ha- we have a triple weird. here actually at the fort. Hole. A triple mando. I'm gonna say it's hole ten. Is that like a ceiling on it? Yeah, it's just like a doorway, oh, like an arch. Yeah, they put that in by the basket. It's like a 550 foot par four, and I guess it, they felt it was too easy because the tee shots just throw as far as you can, and then pitch over into these trees. Okay. But it was, there was like two kind of good gaps to get to the basket. It's only like 20 feet in the trees. So as long as you hit one of those gaps, it's like pretty threeable. But they put a big triple mand over one of those late. So they exist. Yeah, I don't know that I like them. I, I don't. I think I played a tournament with those once, like with one of those. Mm-hmm. But as, I mean, as coverage comes out of this, you guys will hopefully watch some Jomez or whoever else yeah. is there. Spin TV's doing the live if you watch that. Um, I want opinions on that. And the other new hole also has a late double mando, but it's like 15 foot wide tunnel of trees, like lots of pairs of trees. Stays pretty tunnely. It's only like 300 feet, but there's a double mando on like the second pair of trees and a double mando on the last pair of trees. So oh, so you have to like consecutively hit them. Yeah, or you can hit the first one, go and out, just stop and then... in the middle, and then pitch your putt up through the next one. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't. I don't love that either. Um, I get that you know you want scores to change and yeah, and I, I'm not difficult. watching this coverage. I've never played this course, and I think, but we've talked about this before. I think that 
the terrain is what should put in the challenge. Like, mm-hmm. and I think there's an absolute skill in scrambling out of trouble. And I think if you, if you're playing a, a wooded course, at least the few that I've played, uh, if you go what you think, what you imagine might be OB in a tournament, um, you don't have a good lie. Like you're, you're straddling logs, you're over mm-hmm. sticks, you're like reaching behind a bush. Like you've got to take three feet back because, you know, your disc landed in a thicket, you mm-hmm. know, whatever that is. And I don't think those are good shots, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you're penalized just by not having the right upshot or the night, the right lie. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that you need to stroke somebody and then move them into a DZ, especially, I especially don't like DZs that are intentionally difficult to get out of. Cause that's kind of defeats yeah. the purpose to me. Yeah. That just seems, um, I think regressive. I agree with all of that, and I like mountain golf and wooded golf. Not like if you're in the south, I don't like your wooded golf. I like the northwestern mountain golf, wooded golf, where it's like big trees and like cleared fairways, yeah. that kind of woods. Um, the south is impossible. It's just like a forest of trees. And you're like, there's your gap. Like, I, I don't follow, but okay. Um, anyway, uh, when you have terrain with trees and rocks and, you know, bushes and things you don't want to be in it plays really well as just you know you go in there well have fun good luck yeah. um, and i think the reason they did some of this double mando stuff and all the rope stuff is that this course is just grass lots of flat lots of oh open. It's, I, I assumed it was a wooded course no just that i think just that one hole okay there are a couple maybe so it's kind of a park style course yeah yeah okay um it's just big long is yeah. it at a golf course no it's just, I think it's just a disc golf course. Nice. It's really pretty park around a pond. Winthrop. It might be a, like a university okay, or something. Most of it's, most of it's pretty park-ish. Really cool course. I haven't, still haven't played it, but it looks really cool. Um, but to make up for the no natural difficulty, they do stuff like the late double mandos. Every hole has ropes out of bounds. Okay. Most of them are like, if you don't carry, you have to go back. And strokes can just add up very quickly. That seems a little too gimmicky to me. Well, and that's that's the I I think we've talked about this a while ago. Yeah. But at what point do you go from gimmicky to you know score separating and beneficial difficulty? Now let me ask you this. Aside from, well, let me let me just actually use a player like. Aside from, say, Simon, Eagle, Paul, uh, Ricky, mm-hmm. you know, those, those guys. Um, Get better, Rick. <laughs> also. Is, is Rick not? He's out for the rest of the season with Lyme. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I guess that is a real concern for people that play back east because yep. we're in the woods. Yep, big time. Yeah. Check out Lime Warrior DG if you're curious or interested. I haven't even thought about they that. A lot of work. It's very, very rare here. I don't even know if yeah. it's even out here. But like Nantucket time. Island, I think oh, it's yeah, like it's 50% of the population. Gets Lyme disease? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, it's just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I read an article about raccoon rabies oh, recently. I have raccoons. That's uh, But the it's in the southeast primarily, and then it moved up to the east, but it's not west. Okay, yet. good. At the Appalachians, I don't think. But it was this really cool... A National Geographic article about how they're vaccinating raccoons, raccoons for rabies. Jeez. Yeah. And That's like, kind of cool. They're winning. Like, it's working. They have these, like, uh, it's like a big ketchup packet that's full of 
something that looks good to a raccoon. It's probably wow. like fish guts or something. I don't yeah. know. And uh, they bite into it, and How it cool has the, uh, the vaccine in it. Oh, man. And so that gets into the raccoon system. So it doesn't work against a raccoon that's already infected, but... The rest. It, yeah. It, they're getting a herd immunity. How cool is that? So um, I'm waiting for somebody to fight against the mandatory vaccination of raccoons and say that that's causing raccoon autism. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we try not to get too political on the show. Um, where was I? We were talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, this. So <laughs> uh, Macbeth's having a very difficult tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, if... Uh, Eric Oakley mm-hmm. was shooting Macbeth's round. Would anybody be talking about it? Or is it just because Macbeth is that good <laughs> and doing that and, and that frustrated? And I say that to say, we're talking about it and maybe talking about like, oh, is that course too gimmicky? Like was w- what was set up there? You know, is this something that, that should be going on forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, if he was playing well, that wouldn't be part of the conversation, but I'm sure he's not the only one suffering. If that's, if that's the case, if the course is like just, uh, extra difficult and, and caters to a specific play style, you know, um, he's definitely not the only one suffering. There's gotta be a bunch of middle of the pack pros yeah. that are suffering as well. And maybe it's good that he's suffering. Cause that's going to be the only thing that gets people talking about it. Cause again, even if it's Eric Oakley, who is a, a well-respected and well-known player, um, if he was shooting the score, would anybody really care? Uh, right now, I mean, again, through two rounds, timing of this is not great, but through two rounds, Eric's beating him by three. Okay, so Eric, effectively, Eric's having the same tournament. Yeah, he's got him by 13 spots and three strokes. Well, and that's, and that's what's interesting about this to me is, you know, Chris Clemens through two rounds is winning by three. Good job, Chris. I love you. Keep shredding. Uh, Nathan Queen, one off Chris. Nico, one off Nathan. Eagle, one off Nico. Like, a lot of good golf is happening. Like, Nico shot 10 down today. That's, God, what's that rated? Really high. 10 down, that's impressive. That's going to be really high. Yeah. Faster thumbs. So as of now, 1075 today. Wow. Which is really good, right? And nobody is talking about anything. Not who's doing well, not the course, not anything. Just, oh, my God, did you see Paul McBeth's score? What's happening to Paul McBeth? Yeah. Like, that's the internet right now. Yeah, and is it the schadenfreude of it? People are enjoying him fail? I don't think it's that they're enjoying. I think he's just set such a standard for himself and such a this is yeah. normal to see him be human and go out of bounds and get angry and miss shots and just not used to seeing it. Nobody has seen it. What do you think? Do you think we'll ever get an answer from Paul about what's going on? Like he'll say like, yeah, I had a stomach flu. Or oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, was... I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure okay. he's already been interviewed. Okay. Right. I mean, the internet blew up when he went 10 over on three holes in round one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Disc golf world is on fire. Well, again, everybody's Paul allowed to have broken. like a normal slump. Even if this is a slump or whatever it is, it's just mm-hmm. unfortunate that it's a, such a big tournament. Mm-hmm. And the year that he's been so dominant. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm curious. I'm sure interviews will start popping up because I, the talk of this tournament, even if Chris wins or Nico wins again or. Well, and how awesome would it be if he Nathan could fight wins. back even like the top fifteen, top twenty? Like, well, I'm. I mean, if he money. doesn't, if he doesn't start putting, he's not going to make money if he doesn't. Yeah, he's still ten or twelve spots out of cash. Yeah, which I bet, I bet he has not missed cash at a tournament since like 2010. I bet you're probably right. Like, I mean, I don't 
we could probably take the time to look that up, and I don't care to. Yeah, um, I could too. But, but like uh, a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time, and and that's why people are talking. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, people are doing well, great, but Paul Macbeth. Well, and he's the face of the sport. He is. You know? Absolutely. I mean, he's the, he's the most high profile player in the sport. He's got mm-hmm. the most endorsement opportunities. It's, yeah, and, he is the face. Yeah, I mean. This season, it's pretty inarguable that he's the best player. Mm-hmm. I mean, his he's just been on fire, untouchable. I haven't really been following it, but Chris has been updating me occasionally. Uh, but you know, even like the last couple seasons, he's still the face of the sport as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. everyone's concerned because he's the most, the biggest name in the sport and the best player. Yeah. Uh, outside of disc golf, people still don't know who he is. But if they have ever heard of a disc golfer, it's probably Paul McDonald. Yeah, for sure. So. So I'm just, I'm just curious, kind of thoughts on all of it. Yeah, it's like, interesting. I know I know he's having a rough go, and I don't want to you know fuel that fire more than it already is. So I want to know course thoughts versus you know is it beneficial to yeah whatever the reason for him mm-hmm. or you know whatever's going on with him I don't think is a chronic thing. I think he'll be fine, um, and he's still a dominant player, and he'll be he'll be great. I'm not. I don't think Paul's lost his magic touch. No. Um, Got years, yeah. Uh, and honestly, he does. He's what? How old is he? Thirty? Yeah, less. Twenty nine. I think he's a couple months older than me. Holy cow! Yeah. Uh, so he's got a, probably another ten years mm-hmm. of just being a dominant player. Mm-hmm. Um, good for him. Yeah, it'd be fantastic if you know the next rising generation. There's more people that can challenge him, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want him to drop off. I'm just saying, like, if the, if the sport keeps growing and the yeah. competition keeps getting better, but there's no reason why he can't be in the conversation for the next 10 years at least. And I'm only saying 10 years because then he'll go into masters. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. or he depends won't. depends on money growth and what he's doing. And, yeah. But so. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he'll come back in cash. Like he's, he's definitely not going to be done. He'll probably end up in like 20th place this tournament, yeah. which is pretty impressive to fight back. What's 40 <laughs> spots. Yeah. Well, he, more than that, he was in like 84th after round one Goodness. out of 115 or something. Goodness. Uh, you know what though? If I got if I got to write at twentieth, I'm gonna give myself a high five. Yeah, uh, you should. But I, I'm gonna put a positive spin on this, and I'm gonna say, how many people got to, like how can can you imagine how wonderful it would have been after a day of disc golf to go home and say I am ahead of Paul Macbeth on the standings this tournament. Yeah. I am a 980 rated player, or I am a 890 rated player, and yeah. I am ahead of Paul Macbeth on this tournament. Yeah. I mean, and for perspective on how tough this is playing, the I think the card of guys he played with round two today um, were like 1025, 1019, and 1000 rated that all shot that same plus six yesterday. That's, yeah, those are good golfers. Yeah, it's tough. But I was I was hoping when I saw that he had a, a rough day, that there'd be some random nine fifty guy who See, snuck in awesome. a qualification and like sixth at some little A tier. Yeah, got to play with Paul round two. That would have been awesome. And my concern was that Paul was going to go off, and this poor nine you know low player normal person just had a really terrible day and had to deal with a bad day while Paul was playing really well. Yeah, but Paul I was st- human again. St- you're still playing with one of the best players ever to play the game. Yeah, not the best. So that's yeah. not bad. Yeah. You know what? If I'm going to play horse with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Stephon Curry, that's great. I I, I mean, they're not going to get a single letter, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to have fun with that. Yeah, it'd be a good time. Yeah. It'd be a good time. 
So good job, Chris. Good job, Nathan. Good job, Nico and Eagle and whoever else ends up ended up up there. Yeah. It's weird to talk past tense. Good job for everybody who is beating the world champion right now. Yeah, and for you. all 60-something of you that after two rounds have held on ahead of the world champion. Yeah. I mean, two rounds ahead of Paul would be an accomplishment for me, for yeah. sure. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, one round ahead of Paul is fantastic. So yeah, it's yeah. So high I'm five for how you. High he finished. Yeah. Well, we'll know by the next time that we record. We'll know before they hear this. So, uh, I think that about does it. Yeah, for us for this week of Pro Am Disc Golf. Um, write in proamdiscgolf at gmail dot com, Facebook dot com slash proamdiscgolf. Instagram at Proam Disc Golf. Uh, pretty much given up on Twitter because no one's offered to run that for us. I don't like Twitter. I don't. I don't know how to use Twitter or Instagram, and I don't really like Facebook very much anymore. Yeah. I still keep Facebook because I'm part of a couple groups that only communicate through that, and I need to kind of be in that conversation. And for you people, so perfect. I actually deleted the Facebook app off my phone for I don't know two months. Yeah. It was great. It's so nice. It was great. I got rid of Facebook when I was younger. And then I started disc golfing and I was like, oh, oh, it's all on Facebook. It is all on Facebook. Great. All my improv stuff on Facebook. Uh, and I like, it's you handy. know, managing this page for our, for our show. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice. We keep getting more and more likes. It's awesome. We popular. Uh, even when we go a couple weeks without posting episodes, we get more likes. Yeah. Tell your friends. So, uh, yeah. And tell us how you found the show. I'm, again, infinitely curious about that. Just, just write in and let it, or, even if it's just like a quick thing, like friend told me about it. Yep. Uh, hate listen to it because I can't stand you guys. That's great too. So, <laughs> yeah. And if you don't play disc golf, let me know. Oh yeah. Curious oh, yeah. about that too. Uh, also, submission for hypotheticals because yes, you know that always gives us a good jumping off point for conversation. Yes. And November, I am going to be out of the country all of November. So, bon voyage. Yeah. So we're going to be dark for a little while. And then I'll be back. So right. it's cold it's and the holidays, and we'll be hit and miss. But you know, we're not going anywhere in the immediate future, so we'll still be putting out episodes. But if you don't hear from us for a while, it's because Gavin's being busy traveling. Yeah, my wife's teaching in Europe all November, so that doesn't suck. <laughs> no, so we're gonna go live and spend like a week in London, and then. Three and a half weeks in Florence, and then another couple days in London, and then back home. So that sounds like a great time. Yeah. Uh, the only downside to it is the timing in November is like the rainiest month in yeah. both those places. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still pretty much okay with how things are working out here. So uh, if we have anybody who listens to the show that lives in the Tuscany region, uh, or in London, uh, London, we're there real quick, but if you're there, I'd love to meet you and we can work it out. If you live in the Tuscany region, that would be fantastic. Uh, if there's a course there, that would be great fun to go play. Um, I don't know that we have anybody <laughs> that, I, that fits that bill. I don't but, know. But um, how cool would that be? Yeah. Have you ever been to that's no, uh, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll see pictures and hear lots of stuff. Yeah, I hope so. So, um, yeah. But until next time, keep it on plastic. Cheers.